0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. So far in this class, we have primarily gone over how to recognize a lack in thankfulness in our lives. We went over that recognize, reflect, and receive. We went over last week looking up and looking around as well as what it means to have a theology of thanksgiving in our lives. Today, however, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go from that recognition, we're going to get a little more practical with what do we do with this knowledge now. So we're looking around, and we see the great things that God has done for us. We, have, we see that common grace. We can recognize that common grace. We see that special grace. We've been called out of our sins. So what do we do with that now? Now that we have an understanding that our lives in Christ should be lived in continual thanks to God for his grace and the grace that we don't deserve, but we receive with every breath that we take, how do we express that thanks? And what does that expression of thanks look like in our daily lives? So today what we're going to do is we're going to be going over what putting thanks into words looks like. That's your first bullet point there, putting thanks into words. We have talked about it already in this class, but when we received a gift, there is a need to accept the gift, but there's also a need to thank the giver. It would be really weird and kind of odd just to be thankful for something without being thankful to someone for that something. Without giving thanks to God, and this is something that Dustin Crow says in this book, without giving thanks to God for who he is and what he's done, there's just something missing in our gratitude. Or C.S. Lewis puts it another way, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. So what Lewis is saying there is that we we get a joy out of giving thanks to other people or giving thanks to the Lord or expressing this thankfulness. And the reason for that is because it actually completes that circle of gratitude. If we just think it in our minds without actually expressing that or if we just accept that gift without having a desire to actually be thankful for it, that circle of gratitude that we're looking for is just broken. It it doesn't complete that circle. But that, that last little crossing the finish line with actually giving thanks to someone for this stuff, that's what completes that that circle of gratitude. So what exactly does the word, the Bible, say about verbalizing our gratitude towards the Lord? Here's a a few examples for you, and I have them, I don't have them written down. So the first one is going to be, if you need to write it down, Psalms 105, 1 through 2. In Psalms 105, 1 through 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. So in that psalm, we see that it's not just an internal, keep it to yourself, but be happy about this. It is an actual external, sing his praises, be thankful to the Lord, express that thanksgiving. Again in Psalms 107 verses 21 through 22 it says let the let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous work I'm sorry for his wondrous works to the children of man and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy so again we don't have just a keeping it close to your chest there. Not only are we giving sacrifices, but they're giving sacrifices of thanksgiving. So an outward display of their thanksgiving to the Lord. But they take it even a step further past that. And what they do is they tell of his deeds and songs of joy. So it's that external just verbalization, singing songs of joy to the Lord that shows their thanks. We see in Hebrews 13:15 through Him, then, let us continually offer up, offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruits, the fruit of lips that acknowledges His name. So again, an outward expression of thanks to the Lord. So there are benefits as well to this outward verbalization of, of express thanks to the Lord. That's what we're going to start going over now, and I've got down I'm going to make sure I get this right. Last week I had one too many bullet points in the outline, but we're going to go over four different ways of four different benefits of saying thanks. Before we get into those four ways, I want you to think back to different jobs that you might have had in your life. I'm sure that many of you have had jobs where while you're working there, there was like a change of management. You yeah, one manager that left and a new manager that came in. When I was in the Army, this is not an uncommon thing. So there's actually, we call it a change of command. Whenever you're in a unit, so you're, you're assigned to this one specific unit. Mine was the 4th Support Battalion. So in the 4th Support Battalion, we were over in Iraq and we had one commander. He was not known for being exactly the nicest commander. He was what you would expect as a colonel in the Army. He was very matter-of-fact very to the point, can often be very rough, very, dare I say, mean to his soldiers. However, he also made sure that we were always ready for war. He made sure that we were prepared for what was to come, what we are gonna face in Iraq and things like that. However, he was not known as somebody you would go to for advice, or he was not known for someone that you could just walk into his office and start up a conversation. He was very what you would expect as a colonel. However, whenever we got back from my first tour to Iraq, we had a change of command. So that colonel left, and a new colonel came in, and he took over. And it was the exact opposite. This colonel was very approachable, he was very nice, he was very prepared for war, made sure we were very, very prepared for war, made sure we were prepared in the same way that the last colonel was. The difference was, the way that he commanded, it created this team atmosphere, a very family atmosphere. You could. Feel the change when this man came into power. I'm sure many of you can think of a job where something like that's happened. Either you've had a manager that you really liked, was a good team, he was replaced by somebody that wasn't, or vice versa. The same thing can be said about how we choose to live our life with gratitude or ingratitude. There will be one attitude or another commanding your life. You will live a life of ingratitude that will taint all aspects of your life with a dark cloud of gloom, or you can have one of gratitude that will coat everything in your life with joy and peace. Just like those two colonels that I I lived through in the army, one of them, there was just always that dark cloud that was going over. You could feel the grumbling. Every little thing that happened around you, you knew it was going to be kind of amplified in a wrong way. However, when the new colonel came in, everyone just felt like a team. You were eager to help each other out. It was a joy to actually go to work. And it was actually a fun place to be, even though we're in Iraq. So, one of the first steps towards embracing a life of gratitude is expressing that gratitude in your life. So what are some of the benefits to expressing gratitude in your life? The first one is that it gives credit where credit is due. Again, that was, it gives credit where credit is due. When we give thanks, we acknowledge and confirm the truths about the God that we know. If God is good, if he's holy, if he's righteous, if he's ever-present, if he's kind, if he's steadfast in his love, then we need to acknowledge it. If those things matter to you, then thank him for it. Express that they matter. Focus on him and his goodness. We see in James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. By expressing our thanks, we are pushing the attention from the receiver, so from us, and from the gift, from the the very good gift, although we appreciate the good gift, we're shifting that focus and putting it onto the giver who deserves all the credit for it. The second benefit that we see in expressing gratitude is it imprints gratitude. In his book, Crow says, putting half information and thought into words develops those thoughts. I'm sorry, putting half-formed thoughts into words develops those thoughts. So expressing our gratitude rather than just thinking about it is like sprinkling a little bit of miracle grow over top of your gratitude. We often think about saying thanks, but we just don't follow through on that. What we do when we do that is we're actually limiting the space and the ground within our hearts where that gratitude can grow. The act limits the ground, like I said, for that gratitude to grow, much like a plant without miracle grow. That, that plant will grow. It'll be alive. It'll be present there, but it just doesn't have that little extra bit to help it grow further. Taking the action of expressing that gratitude is like sprinkling that miracle grow on top of a plant. It gives the plant strength. It gives it extra nutrients. It also increases its strength and builds it up. It also strengthens the roots and lets it take hold in our heart. If our heart remains void of gratitude, it won't just stay neutral either. So if we're, we don't express that and we we keep that held into our hearts, we don't express it. We don't focus on that that gratitude, that thanksgiving. That doesn't just stay neutral. You don't just stay in that middle ground. What's going to happen? is that if Thanksgiving does not take root, then the weed of ingratitude will take root and produce the fruit of grumbling, discontentment, bitterness, and frustration. There's something that I tell most men that I meet with. something that I think every time that we've talked at a men's conference, I've tried to mention this as well. But as men, we are called, especially within our homes, if we're married, we have children, we're called to be the spiritual leader of our home. And one thing that I was told one time, one thing that I heard, is that if we're not creating a spiritual environment in our home, then we are creating a spiritual environment in our home. There's no neutral ground there. It's the same thing we're seeing with gratitude. So us as men, if we're not creating that spiritual environment where everything in our home is just focused on the Lord, it just pushes our children towards the Lord, it pushes our wife towards the Lord, if we think that by not doing that, that we're not pushing them away from the Lord, then we're kidding ourselves. Because by not creating that spiritual environment in our home, we're leaving that ground open and void. And what creeps in is a spiritual environment that we don't want within our home, where it's awkward to talk about Christ, where it's awkward to pray, where anytime that you're mentioning spiritual things, everyone kind of cringes away from away from it. If we're not creating an environment in our home where it's constantly where you're always talking about Christ, where it's open to talk about prayer or pray, where you know, one thing that I love about our home, I'm not trying to brag, I, I hate using personal examples, I know I do it a lot, but I, I, I'm not bragging about this, but one thing I love about our house is that it seems like there's a Bible in almost every room. Like, we have a lot of Bibles. A lot of that's because we're just too lazy to go to the office and pick up the Bible that we want, so we just have one lay in there conveniently for us. But at the same time, I enjoy the fact that my children know that there's a Bible in every room. They know what it is. It's not awkward for them to see a big book sitting on our front entryway table. Like they know what that is. They know what it means to mom and dad. They know what we hope it means to them someday. However, if we didn't have that going on, there would be some kind of spiritual invite. We we worship and praise something in our lives. We always will. So if we're not worshiping and praising the Lord, something is going to creep in and take over that spot. We see the same thing here with gratitude. So if we're not expressing our gratitude, if we're not indulging ourselves in constant gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord, all that does is it doesn't leave it neutral eventually a root and a seed of ingratitude is going to creep in because we're sinful creatures. So if we allow that space to stay neutral, we're going to start feeling that grumble. We're going to start being discontent in everything around us. We're going to indulge in these these wrong behaviors that we claim that we don't like. The third thing that expressing gratitude does is that it redirects our words and our deeds. Grumblers become grateful when words of thanksgiving drown out our grumbling. Paul Tripp says, the longer praise is in our hearts and in our mouths, the less time complaining has opportunity to dominate our words. So let me ask you this. Does anyone in this room really want to be known as a grumbler? Do you want to be known as a complainer? Be the one that always has something bad to say. When I say that, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of us in this room can picture somebody, I'm hoping, at work, not within the church, but at work, that, that defines that. You know when you get into work, you're probably going to run into them. It's probably going to be a grumbling and complaining day. It's that person that like, you hope that you don't meet first thing through the door because you know it's going to set the tone for the day for you. Do we want to be that person? I don't think anyone in this room wants. I don't even think that person that you run into first thing in the morning wants to be that person, but that's the life that they're living right now. So we see in Ephesians 4, 22 through 25, it says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And... To be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, therefore, putting off or put away falsehood, let every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then we see if we drop down a little bit further in Ephesians 4:29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. These verses that we just talked about that I just read, this is not just talking about like foul language. A lot of us use it as like, you shouldn't be cussing. But it goes further than that. It's not just talking about cussing. We are called to replace our harsh and grumbling words with words that will build one another up we are called to replace those words with words of thanksgiving and gratitude we see in ephesians 5 if we keep going down in the book of ephesians we see in ephesians 5:19 through 20 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ In his book, Crow also says, we cannot fulfill Paul's commands to do all things without grumbling, which we see in Ephesians two fourteen, unless we instead are giving thanks always for everything. Yes. To complement
1: what you said earlier, you notice that these verses in Ephesians 5 Immediately afterwards, it's in the context of the family, wives, husbands, children. So, best place to start, to have this experience where you're you know, having this attitude of worship. And it's not only here in Ephesians, but Paul
0: repeats the same concept in Colossians as well. Mm-hmm. So then that goes along with what my example. Um, so this, Redirects our words and deeds. I can tell you that um, I like to think I have a pretty thick skin. Like you, many of you in this room could come up to me and be pretty harsh with me. I would hopefully take that pretty well. Uh, it might affect me. However, if my wife comes to me and says a harsh word to me, I'm destroyed. Like I'm absolutely destroyed. But at, uh, at the same time, if she comes up to me and compliments me, I'm on cloud nine for like a week. Like The way that we speak to one another, and like we're seeing in Ephesians, the way that we speak to one another, the, the way that we hold ourselves, the way that we build one another up, it, it really goes to this grumbling and comp- complaining. If a church is going to be known as a church that is full of grumblers, they're not practicing this. If they're going to be known as a church that gives thanks and is, is pleasant to be around, is building one another up, they're going to be practicing this. When we live lives of grumbling and planning all the time, we are really expre- what we're really doing is expressing our desire for control and the fear that we feel from not having it. So for example, these are very personal to me, our kids don't act right so we complain about our kids. Someone else's kids don't act right so we complain about those kids. Our boss makes a decision we don't like so we complain. A trial in our life frustrates us, so we complain. All of these are pretty common occurrences in our lives that we like to complain about. And they often have a root of desire of control on our part. I want to control my kids. That's why I feel they're not doing the right thing. So I've lost control of them, so instead of trying to help them through this behavior, I'm going to complain about my kids. My boss makes a decision. I'm not in control of that, so I feel the right and the ability to complain about that. I could do that so much better. I don't know why we're doing it this way. A trial frustrates me. I've lost control. The wheels are falling off of my life because of this trial. I feel that I have the right and the duty to complain about that. So what's the answer to that desire for control? It's ultimately thanksgiving redirecting that desire into an understanding of gratitude. So for example, if our kids aren't acting right, instead of complaining, we could actually thank the Lord for this very small moment in time that we have with them to correct that behavior and to come alongside our children and to build them up like we see in Ephesians. If somebody else's kids are complaining, we could thank God that we have that we've been put in the place of community that we have as believers with a desire to help that struggling family raise up those children as well, as we see in Ephesians. When we're complaining about our boss, we could actually thank God that we have the job in the first place, and that you have the opportunity to pray for your boss and have a relationship no matter how deep it is, no matter how comfortable it is, you still have a relationship that allows you to show the love of God to that boss. Or if you're in a trial, thank God that he is shaping and molding you. It may hurt. I'm not trying to deny trials in our lives. But at that moment, God is shaping and molding you into the son or daughter that he needs and that he knows you need to be in that trial. And we can thank him that he has control, even though it feels like the wheels have fallen off of our lives. Expressing our thanks or thankfulness in all circumstances allows us to redirect that grumbling and complaining that we often feel and direct it and direct our attitudes towards where it needs to be. And that's a, a continual life of thanksgiving to the Lord. It also promotes discipleship and witness. And that's our last bullet point there. It promotes discipleship and witness. The last benefit is to express thankfulness, or in expressing thankfulness, is it puts God on display for others. The Bible often links thanksgiving with telling others about God and his good deeds. Again, we see in Psalms 107 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We see in Psalms 107, same chapter, verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. We have a story I'm sure many of you are familiar with in Luke 17. 11 through19, the, the story of Jesus cleansing the 10 lepers, and it says, "On the way to Jerusalem, he was pass passed along." Or he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, "Jesus, master, have mercy on us." When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he, had been, or that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was one, where was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So what we see in that story there is that Christ is coming alongside and they, they're not allowed to get near him. So they're screaming to Christ for him to heal them, and Christ does. But then what we see is this one comes back, and he thanks the Lord, but then he starts screaming as well, but it's the exact opposite. He starts screaming the thanks for the deed that the Lord had done for him. That's the same thing that we're seeing here with Thanksgiving. It promotes discipleship and witness. That was a witness by that leper. He wasn't keeping it quiet. He didn't walk up to Christ and, you know, gently whisper in his ear, thank you, and then walk away. He made it known to anyone that could hear. This was an act that he was used to. He wasn't allowed to come near people. He had to live among the lepers, so they were always yelling to people passing by. For once, he gets to yell the praise of the Lord for for being healed of this leprosy. Our words are powerful. They can build up and they can tear down. We see in James 3, 8 through 9, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. With our words, we can pull people down into the ditch of despair, or we can help guide them along the path of thanksgiving. Some of the best examples of this idea expressing thanks. And Thanksgiving promotes promoting discipleship and witness is from the Bible itself. Can anyone else think of an example of expressing thanks, promoting discipleship, or witness within the Bible? Anybody? Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. the the lady the example there was the lady uh, washing Jesus' feet with the oil in her hair and praising God in that moment. anybody else? At Pentecost. hmm The first thing that they were doing was speaking of the praises and, and praising God. I have written down that the disciples themselves are a great example of this. So the disciples, um, the rest of their lives were just spent preaching the gospel. The gospel was the good news. They were going around, they were spreading God's word, they were spreading the revelation that they were receiving, but they were also telling of the great things that Jesus had done for the rest of their lives. There's this... As far as the discipleship portion of that, a lot of that was just witness that we went over, but as far as the discipleship portion of this, I mean, how many of you want to be discipled by somebody that is always grumbling and complaining? I I mean, I, I personally would not direct someone to go towards someone that I know is just going to grumble and complain all the way through discipleship. What we want and what we need and what we're required to do as disciplers is to be able to explain just the great things that God has done. We're called to be witnesses of the Lord and the great things he's done. And if we're going to disciple other believers, we need to make sure that it's done through this great expression of gratitude towards the Lord as well. I wanted to try something. We got a little bit of time. One of my favorite days in this church every year is our Thanksgiving service. So what I was going to do, I gave nobody a heads up, so start thinking now. But we're going to do like a little, the whole class is just on expressing thankfulness. And then also, if you look at your homework lesson, one of them is saying it, so starting, or it says, start by thinking of one thing you're thankful to God for today, and then tell at least one person about it. And then there's also right, so... Uh, record specific reasons to be thankful to God. That's two of the things in your your homework. So what I want to do is we're going to do, like I said, a miniature Thanksgiving service. So David's going to come up. I've got a microphone. So if you have anything that you're thankful to God for and you want to practice this expressing thankfulness, we're going to start right now. We've got about five minutes. It is now. Warren is first. We thank you for going first.
1: Actually, I don't need this.
0: <laughs> could could you use it just for the recording? Though? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> otherwise, it's going to be an awkward silence for a long time through this thing.
1: Oh, just one uh, big thing would be I'm thankful for the words of encouragement that I have received since I've been at this church every single face I see here who know me know that I've had ups and downs, but right now, based on the study we're going through, I'm expressing my gratitude for the encouragement that I have received ever since I walked through these doors. Those of you who know me, uh, thanks for those words of encouragement. Those who don't know me, I'm sure you'll say something nice one of these days. (laughs) That's all.
0: Anybody else? David will bring you the mic if you want to be brave enough to say something.
2: So I started a new job recently, and my small group has just been really good at checking in on me and praying for me and asking me how I'm doing, and I even got a card in my mailbox at school one day from two people, and it just had a note of encouragement, and it made me start crying in the workroom, because I just felt like I was struggling so hard, and then they just came around me and made me feel so much better, so I was really thankful for that support.
3: Hi, everyone. I just got back from <laughs> summer in southern Africa. We were building a footbridge, and I can tell you about it later. But one thing I'm super thankful for is God is big and God is good. And God speaks swati. God speaks English. God speaks Japanese. Um, God is not different in other places, in other cultures. He's all the same, which is crazy. Super cool. Praise him. Um, I'm really thankful that God's plan is for the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, every culture, every tradition, every color, every sound. They're all people that God has made, and God is big and God is good, so praise him.
0: Any others? All
2: right, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, uh, I mean, could go on forever about what grateful for, but uh, just my own personal experience the last couple of years, I've become infirmed, been in a wheelchair for the last six months, solid. And one thing, the changes in my life, um, becoming dependent on other people, and it, it was kind of hard at first, but I'm really grateful that uh, God has put people in my life that uh, care for me and take care of me. Warren brings me to church and uh, have people take me to small group and uh, people provide transportation for me. It's, it's amazing. Uh, God works uh, so many ways, little things that you know I can't, can't get around, uh, little things that you might not think of, just getting a haircut. Uh, God placed a, next, a barber next door to me. He comes to my house and gets my hair. I mean, it's it's just amazing the way that uh, God is taking care of me. Um, just so grateful for the way he does that.
0: we got time for one more if anyone wants to. All right. <laughs>
3: so i am not a social person at all and probably the least social in here and this microphone could go to every person i know it could i thank god for coffee i thank god for the power of his word and The pessimist side of me even thanks God for the convicting power of his word. Um, I thank God for this church, the leadership of this church, and the word that is preached from this pulpit and taught from, I'll say, lesser pulpits right now. And um, I thank God for wives, Maybe I ought to just say, I thank God for my wife. That's probably how I should put it. But in general, wives are a gift, a super gift. Um, I thank God for my children. Um, I thank God for every breath that I take that is still, even as a believer, it's still common grace. I still do not deserve any of these breaths that I am taking and they're his they belong to him I think Nebuchadnezzar said that Um, and I could go on everybody's got something that to thank God for every good and perfect gift comes down from above and maybe I should not have put coffee at the top of the list but
0: I love my coffee. I mean, if, it's, if it's not one, it's 1A. <laughs> all right. I would just say, as you were talking, hearing all those kiddos screaming in the hallway, I absolutely love that. That's one thing that I've always enjoyed about this church is, I mean, we've got to be fruitful and multiply down pretty well. I mean, that, that hallway, no matter how many move up? There's a whole nother wave of, of kiddos just following in behind them, which also brings us to being very thankful for uh, women like Kim, who can organize that, but also every single volunteer that's back there helping right now. Um, it's a joy to know that I can drop my kiddos off at Sunday school every Sunday, know that they're, they're hearing the word, that they're being loved on by some amazing people back there. They don't have to worry from you know, 9 o'clock until 11.30 when I pick them up I know they're taken care of. I know they're loved. I know that they're hearing what they need to hear. They get to make their little friendships in a place that I am comfortable with them making friendships in. They can build up those bonds that are going to last for a very long time. And I just love that 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 hallway there, I'm very thankful that that hallway there is always filled to the brim. So God has been good to us in that way for sure.